We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone. It's Kirk Henderson. This is a episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. I'm joined today uh, by Matt Moore, who I just had on 10 days ago, but it's been a weird start to the season. Obviously, weird leaning towards good since at the moment the Mavericks are five and three. And since we're recording on Friday morning, they don't play Boston uh, until Saturday evening. So we've got some more time to let things sort of simmer. Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it, it it you're you're kind of an ideal person to talk to about the Mavericks with because when they're when they're weird, they're usually real weird. And no one enjoys overthinking mundane basketball quite like you and me. <laughs> so so I, I don't I don't even know where to begin. So so as we're talking here, I'm pulling up the standings and I'm pretty sure I know where the Mavericks fall. Obviously, the standings don't necessarily matter. They're third in the West at five and three. They've got a, a commanding division lead at the moment with three and zero. Oh. The Grizzlies haven't even played a single game, but the West is just kind of in this funky spot where you have most of the teams between three and five and five and three, which is hilarious. And and I've watched a fair amount of, of basketball around the league, and I don't understand what's happening kind of league-wide to be honest with you yeah it's weird. And, and 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 i wanted to sort of pick your brain both on the maverick stuff but also kind of the league stuff in general yeah i mean with the mavericks josh had this tweet the other night that i think nailed it 100 like i started and i've read it like six times since then and he said <laughs> Long day, couldn't catch the game live tonight, but I take it the Mavs are just determined to make sure nobody is happy after every game they play this season. And like that, that is just it where there's good. You're in for, I think you're in for a brutal one in terms of this season. Um, because anyone that like the, 
the eye test matches the numbers, which don't match the record. So, and I think that's probably going to continue where you watch them and you're like, this is the word I wrote down in my notes when I, I like three times when I've watched them is uninspiring. They are one of the least inspiring teams I've seen this season. And that's really alarming when you have a creator that is as electric as Luka Doncic. That's extremely concerning. They look very bad. And the metrics are are like, oh, God, this team is a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. you look at the record and you're like, they're two games over 500. Everything's fine. Like Like they're winning the – so in in being five and three, they've quite literally – lost to every team they were supposed to lose to because I believe they weren't favored in any of their losses and then they won all five games they were supposed to because they were favored and so I don't know what I I don't know what to make about that because I I need you know when people who are listening to the podcast are a little bit better about this than like online commentators even though some people on podcasts kind of misunderstand things that I say where like obviously very pleased as, as a fan analyst that they're winning, but I can't figure out what is, is the root cause of the weirdness because let me walk through some of the potential options. And then I'm going to be interested to hear what you think they are, because it really feels like a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man versus Spider-Man thing going on where you have Chris Tapps Porzingis who hasn't played. And when he was playing, he was pretty bad, at least offensively. Then you have, some of their more reliable shooters, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith being being one of them, and really Bullock and, and some of the other guys, being unable to hit anything. Like, the shot making right now is so far is so far outside of variance that I, I'm no longer even worried about it because I'm just expecting like a 7 of 10 game from somebody at some point. Then you have Coach Jason Kidd, whose sets and sort of offensive style are – odd he they've gone away from some of the extreme stuff that we saw in the first two games because Luca has the ball more um and then they've mixed up their lineup the past few days to where Jalen Brunson is now a starter which has helped the starting lineup while gutting aspects of the second unit to where like there was a Frank Nilakina Willie Colley Stein pick and roll a couple of times in the last game which as I said in a podcast should not happen at any point in the multiverse and, and I could probably kind of keep going. Like, there's little concerns about the ball, but that's sort of league-wide. And, and I don't know which of the – and then there's the, the overarching thing. I didn't even mention this. I should have loved it. Is Luka looks like shit. Yeah. Um, and, and it's finally like, – it's, it's taken some people a while to come around to this. I, I, what I have a tendency to do is overreact early. And if I'm wrong, people never let me hear the end of it. And then if I'm right, no one ever tells me that I was right. And I've said Luca kind of looked like crap from the opening tip. And and I I don't know if he looks like crap because of some of those aforementioned reasons, or if it's just, you know, it, it's it's year four for him and he's sort of struggling to get it up for the regular season. So I'm I'm I've rambled there for a minute, but but what do you think is is sort of the root cause of the strangeness to date? So they're professional basketball players, right? <laughs> <laughs> which means that we t- we tend to take this idea of like, well, you should just play well, regardless of how you feel. But we've kind of just like learned over time, at least in the current generation, you can win if you are just like all business, you can win. 
and you can actually be pretty like your identity is very brutal and your identity is very um it's business like right like i'm gonna go in we're gonna be professional we're just gonna out execute you and i'm gonna go home and make my money you're not necessarily inspiring but you can be really efficient that way and that becomes kind of like your identity is like i don't care about style points i'm here for the money and to win right Right. But the best teams that we've seen are ones that play with joy. The best teams that we've seen are the ones that play with a level of inspiration that mm -hmm. love playing together. And you can tell that like for as much as everyone, I think kind of um, waves their hand at the idea of the body language doctor stuff. I I'm sorry. We're all humans. You can tell in public if somebody's in a bad mood, like that's just a thing that you can do. And groups of people that have to work together take on a separate vibe that that's basic sociology. Okay. Um, or social psychology, depending on which interpretation the Mavericks very clearly do not enjoy playing together right now. Like no, like no one looks excited to play except for mainly J Ma except maybe Jalen Brunson, like Jalen Brunson. And then like Boban because Boban's Boban. Mm -hmm. like everyone else just looks miserable. But what, what's odd, though, is that and, – and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here because I could be biased. I don't think it's, like, a miserable with one another. Because, no. like, they, they seem very – like, Kristaps is a good bellwether for this because he just has that shitty look on his face when he's unhappy. And that dude's, like, smiling on the sidelines, high-fiving people. When they go to timeouts, there's, like – the, the vibe isn't bad. It's just the play is bad. It, yeah, things aren't I think, clicking in any way, shape, or form, really. Yeah, and everything seems very difficult. So part of what I wonder on this is how much of it is the effort that they're giving on defense. Like, I genuinely wonder about this. If they're just giving better effort on defense, and if literally that's that's serving to exhaust them, a little, to to wear off the fatigue. The shooting stuff, like, here here's the best number I can give you to try and quantify this for you. Because I can understand, like, how you're feeling, where you're like, nobody can hit anything, but it doesn't look right. Like, here's a good example of this, okay? So I... I I have some second spectrum data and I have the expected field goal percentage. And then you have the actual, and then this number called QSI is the differential between the two. Right. Okay? It's the Delta between how well you should be shooting based off of where you're shooting from and how open you are based off of contest level and what you actually are. And uh, the Mavericks this season are fourth worst <laughs> in terms of, actual versus expected so you say see they're just shooting under expectation let's compare them with the wolves though because the wolves have the second best expected field goal percentage they're taking good shots and they're missing them now you can just say they don't have the shooters that dallas does totally agree with that 100 agree with that the concern is that the mavericks also are seventh lowest in expected field goal percentage so they're shooting well below an already low bar for what they should be shooting. If you're going to take those shots, you need to be plus in order for that to balance out. So they're not hitting low expected field goal percentage shots. And that to me is like a good way of framing it in that, yeah, they're missing and they'll probably do better. But if they play to expectation, that's still not going to be good enough. And that to me is like concerning with Luca, like the best way I, I, I try and just quantify it because Luca's game is always a little, uh, it's always a little janky. Like his game is like step backs and the shooting um, in terms of his jumper has been like wildly like 
one year he can't hit threes at all. And then the next year he's like a super efficient. And then like his jumper is dead. And then his way back. Um, here's like the concern. The overall offensive numbers with him are nightmarish. Like they, they have Kirk. They have a 99.7 offensive rating with Luka Kondonkic on the floor. How yep. is that possible? Yep. And then, yeah. So I look at that and I go, all right, let's see game by game. Cause you can get nuked. Mm-hmm. And that's, that that's part of what's happened. Like in the Denver game, he had a 90, um, I'm sorry, a 67.3 offensive rating, which is just like, they got nuked. Okay, fine. Like his net rating. And that was 58 point was minus 58.2. Like, okay. Right. Pull that one out. But in the two Spurs games, he was below 95 and had massive minus numbers. And they won one of those. Um, they won both of those. Sorry. They won both those Spurs games. And he was a huge negative. Like, in the losses, it's relatively catastrophic. I mean, hasn't he been a negative every game? No. Um, so he was 8.4 um in the Sacramento game. Okay. Okay. That was yeah, that was a that was the one game that stands out at least right now, you know, not looking at anything where he was making an effort to get to the rim. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I have honed in on but i don't i i i i try not to talk about things that i can't back up and i really i we know you and i know this seth part now has told me this i remember zach Lowe writing about this at one point people who know stuff tend to make these kind like luca can't get by anyone and hasn't for two years only last year it did not matter and so people who I, I debate and have some fun discussions with have gone, begun making the argument to me that, well, Luka doesn't need to get by people. Well, with the changes in officiating that are happening right now, yeah. he absolutely needs to yeah, get yeah. by people. Because yeah. what he what he's getting super pissed where he gets in the lane and gets that – you just described it the other day on Twitter, I thought, really well, where he's initiating contact with his off-elbow um rising up to go through someone and getting a shot off and in every other year that's a foul they're not calling it at all which i neither like nor dislike because it's consistent it's fine you know it is what it is and that's really pissing him off and affecting his game now the flip side is when the mavericks post him up he is getting he's getting more fouls off of off of post-ups than he has in years past. But I also think the last several games, he's settled a little more. This is really in the weeds, but he is as yet through eight games, he has not shown. And I really think he'll figure this out. He's too, like he's too good not to uh, just like many of the other league players that are sort of struggling, but there, he hasn't shown things yet to adapt to how, both the game is being called and how he is being defended. Because I think he's being defended really in interesting ways. Because you've talked about the best way to do it for two years is just to blitz him. Yeah. He's getting blitzed below the free throw line, which is confusing. I don't think it's confusing him, but his teammates aren't good enough to, to do stuff with it. Like nobody's moving. He's throwing some ugly turnovers. Um Kids action like like there's pointless cutting sometimes. There's not I, I I'm I'm again I'm rambling, but it's just it's like he is like it's like a mix between him not being playing well enough to his own standards yet, paired with how the game and how he's being defended, and it's just making for some ugly ball. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is um I mean look. 
we got to just go back to if Dwight Powell doesn't suffer the Achilles injury, I think this looks a lot different. Sure. Um, I just do. And like Mavs fans are, are understandably frustrated with Powell pretty clear. Like I've, uh, I know the WCS drives you nuts, but I've advocated for him to play more because I think you need the rim threat. Um, the bigger, biggest thing is if you're, if you're facing a blitz defense, you got to have triggers. It's like, it's a really monotonous rote thing. If it's switched, you kind of got to have more feel and more dynamicism and a little bit more of like, okay, making reads and like different interpretations. Or, you know, if you're in a playoff series, hunting the matchup in a switch, if it's drop, it's basically just like making a read. The, the, Problem with the blitz is that you, if they put two on the ball, whether it's below the free throw line or, or high, you have to have, all right, they're sending two here. So we get it to this person. They have to bring help. And then here it's chess, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's Queens to, to, you know, Rookside four. Like that's how you have to go. You have, and you just have to, because the easiest way is to bust that blitz is you will generate corner three after corner three, after corner three, or dunk after dunk after dunk. If they stay home. Like that's how you do it. The Mavericks don't necessarily have that dyna- that dynamic, and like I think there's a a I've, there's a tendency and a desire to kind of be like, oh well, that would be Chris Stapps. but mm-hmm. like I don't want Chris Stapps on the short roll making plays for others. Am I wrong on that? I, that's not a role that I feel like he's going to excel at. I don't think he'll excel at it, but you know I would almost rather him try than some of what I've seen because him not playing causes a bit of a cascade right now, and that's that's something that's just sort of hovering over them. And what I saw, and Denver was a good example of this. The Heat game is a really good example of this. The Heat sent two guys at him, and then a third played kind of center field. Yeah, and so that's two and a half on one which should mean someone is should be doing something and going to the right spot or going to a spot, not necessarily the right one. And the Mavericks just weren't doing it. And, and it was really, that that's where like I start to call into question and people don't like me talking about this, but I don't really care. Like uh, this is where I get into the coaching stuff where I'm just like, what are they doing? They're mm-hmm. focusing on some defense and yeah, but they're like 16th in the league in defensive rating. Like this, again, it's nothing to write home about. Like it, it's, it's not like they're a top 10 defense by a mile. Like they're a few slots away from being bottom 10. Like it's not, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's this just odd conflation of stuff. And I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to be like, like I, one game I was super pissed, which you heard about, but I'm trying not to be like super negative about it. I'm just, I'm struggling to see where the improvement comes outside of like some shooting variants, but then even accounting for that, that I don't think it, it changes their fortunes that much. Like it it just feels like they're going to be kind of a 500 sloggy basketball team because these guys have all played together for three years and they kind of know, they kind of know who they each, each other is like, and then you have a coaching staff, which is offensively not built. They're not going to maximize. They, 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 they clearly don't get the spacing. It's, and you know, that just has a little cascade effect over time. And I, it, like, we're really getting deep into some, some strategy stuff here, but it's like, it should be, it, it's kind of hard to contextualize to people who really only watch the Mavericks but if you have this shitty of an offense with this good of an offensive player in Luca, 
something is afoot. Yeah. I mean, I think the formula here is kind of interesting in that it's like the exact reverse of what they've been for the last two years, <laughs> which was, I mean, it really is, which is like, but they can't get any stops. How are you going to like, how are you going to win a playoff series? You can't get any stops. Right. And it was, well, you know, like our offense is so good and Luke is so good that we could just get there and we'll just get by, you know, we'll just outscore him. And then like, it's not true because in the playoffs, you do have to be able to get, like, you don't have to be a great defense in the playoffs. You have to be able to solve defensive problems is how I've come to understand it. And the Mavericks couldn't solve any defensive problems. Now, like their their numbers on defense are sound. Like I'll tell you right now, like they're allowing the second lowest expected field goal percentage on top of a very low actual. Like they're actually defense should be a slightly better considering like where they're at. Like they are um when you look at dunksandthrees.com, their defensive their their adjusted defensive rating for opponent is 15th, but a lot of that is contextual in terms of like how like they've gotten nuked by certain teams. Mm-hmm. I think their overall performance has been sound. The problem is, like, if you get into a playoff series, your model right now is, you know, it should be like, all right, we're going to play great defense. We're going to make a make some threes. And Luca is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Luca hasn't been amazing. They're not making threes. They're still somehow five and three. Mm-hmm. Because I'm mostly like, Jalen's been incredible, right? Like, Jalen's been. He's really incredible. been. I mean, he's been the best. I waffle between best and consistent, and I don't necessarily think it matters, but it's easy to say that if he even played slightly less efficiently, they'd be like two and two and six right now. Right. <laughs> right. Like he like he's been like he's been terrific. So you have like this weird formula where I, I you know, let's assume Luca gets adjusted to the officiating, gets a little bit more in shape, plays better, um, et cetera. The formula by the end of the year is that you still have a stilted, strange um, unoptimized offense, but you have a really sound, tough defense that is able to generate enough stops for Luca to win you clutch games. Your margin for error there is it is so small uh-huh. that I have a hard time believing in it. And I, I, you're asking for a lot here, where it's like, well, you want the defense to be better, and now the defense is better. Now you're saying the offense isn't good enough. I'm like, yeah, because. The ch- if you had if you had kept the overall offensive structure, right, and then put more emphasis on the defensive side, I think you find a good balance. But ultimately, what you have here is you have players that are probably exploitable in various switch matchups, so you can't do that. You have a scheme that's that's solid, but the difference is like playoff versus regular season is so different. The only thing I would say is just like, look, teams are usually throughout the course of a season, um, on average, they are about three different teams over the six months the season takes. They are one team in the beginning and then one team in the middle and one team at the end. Sometimes they're like, I've seen teams be like, they were five different teams because of injuries and trades and things. Right. Um, They'll be a different team by the end of the year than they are now. I think the problem is if your inherent starting level process offensively is so bad, even if you get the necessary improvements in regression to the mean in terms of shooting, and Luca gets in shape, and Chris Stapps gets healthy, which yada yada yada. You're still looking at like eh, pretty good, and that's not what you guys are looking for after two playoff appearances. You're not looking for eh, pretty good. You're looking yeah. for like no, like top three seed in the West, like making the leap, look like a title contender. And 
seeing a path to that from where you are now is very difficult for me, given one, how they've looked, two, what the numbers say, and three, if we project all of the improvements in the areas of variance, it still doesn't look great. Yeah. Now I want to ask one more Mavs question, and then I want to pivot to sort of the the league at large, because, or at least the West at large, because I, I I'm not. I kind of feel similarly about the West. So I'm I'm looking at the rest of the Mavs November schedule, and they play Boston, New Orleans, Chicago, San Antonio. Then they have kind of a stretch, which I think is going to make or break them. Denver, Phoenix, Phoenix, Clippers, Clippers. Um, to to right up until Thanksgiving, and I just. I sort of feel, and I've been, I've been, you know, sort of setting expectations within my own self is that if they make it out of November and they're playing 500 basketball, that is pretty good with how mm-hmm. things have have gone out for them. Is and okay, you said uh huh. Do you think that that's actually kind of a kind of a reasonable goal just because of how they played today? Yeah, I mean, I. I I'm big on this idea right now of proof of concept. And if you get through this tough part of the season when you're playing, like you've played the Heat, who are one of the best teams in the league right now. You've played the Nuggets, who are who have been, even at four and four, they have been a really good team uh, early on in the season. You have like the, the Spurs are pesky and you beat them twice. Um, the Kings are actually like, that Kings win is actually like, that's your best win of the season so far. Sure. Yeah, and, um, and really it was only a great win because the Kings shot terribly after being on fire. Right. Um, the Raptors win is actually pretty solid. So, like, if you're able to get through this stretch where you've played all these teams and you get through that schedule, and I will say, like, the the Clippers and Suns won. The Suns, I think, are, like, slightly below average right now. Like, my metrics have them pretty poor overall. Right. Um if you, but like they've have shown some signs of improvement or just and like the Mavericks are just kind of trekking along and trying to get better game by game. Um, and then the Clippers are just like wildly inconsistent. The Clippers will look horrible one game and like world beaters the next. It's mm-hmm. their, their disparity is wild. But if you get through that and you're 500, then it's just like, well, look, this stuff isn't costing us. We just got to play like a little bit better in the schedule to get easier. And then you rack up wins and you wind up again as, as like a six seed. Well, I also think I, I also think that that the even you know the teams are odd about this depending on how they talk about it on the social media. Even like the the you know like Mavs radio play by play guy Chuck Cooperstein, you know he's he's their play by play guy. But he's still a team employee, and even he kind of made a comment of I just I something to the effect of like I just can't see them standing pat all year. Like that, yeah. I, I think like a temporary goal has to be stay within the margins of playoff con, you know playoff contention and then try to do something to mix it up because it's it's you know we hit it earlier in the podcast but I think it's worth emphasizing where it's just th- there's not a lot of joy in being played and that's not to say they're they're not doing like the Boston Celtics thing where guys are kind of sick of one another to a degree it's 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 just things aren't connecting enough on a consistent enough basis in the basketball court. Who knows? I mean, the San Antonio win the other night was a gritty Jalen Brunson hero ball, like kind of inspiring performance. And sometimes teams just need like a galvanizing thing to get them going. Um, and seeing Luca take a back seat willingly 
was pretty interesting. And so maybe that's something like sometimes teams just need things to build off of. Yeah, I think it's tough to figure out um, where they're going to be. I think it's also hard to figure out like what the assets are going to be. And how sure. Like, you know, who's the most valuable player non-Luca on the roster right now? Brunson. Yeah. Can you, yeah. can you get, and so, that's what I think is really interesting is there was this idea of like, well, the guy got another ball handler and like, I like Jalen last year. Like that was one where I was like, I thought Jalen played really well. Um, and so like, I do think that you have a guy that can do that. Would it be great to have a third one? Yeah. But this is part of his, is if you're paying a guy like you are, you're paying Chris Stapps, he shouldn't just be tip of the spear. Yeah. He probably needs to be able to create a little bit. Like this is my, beyond all the injury stuff. Um, and his shot making decisions like his shot selection uh my biggest issue is just that like i don't ever see like chris Stapps making a lot of plays for others and so yeah. like you just need something if you're gonna have luca you need somebody else who's dynamic that's a lot of it and they have this team is extremely low on dynamicism mm-hmm. they have it is and like it was it was kind of built that way right where it's they they had they made the deal for chris Stapps to be like a running partner for luca to have like a two-man game and then the idea was like two man game with Luca and KP and then shooters. And that actually like makes sense. Like conceptually it makes sense. It just winds up. I think the league is also constantly evolving and it is evolving. I think to a point where you're seeing these teams that are built around like, yeah, but you can rely on two man game and quality shooters in the yeah. playoffs teams are like, look, if I face this team 400 times in a row in terms of possession <laughs> over the course of four games, I can figure it out. Like I can just, I'm going to get, I'm going to get better at defending you over the course of these games. And that I think is, is part of, of where the issue is. The biggest, the big picture thing with the Mavs is not that. And I feel this way, honestly, about the Brooklyn Nets too. So the Nets and the Mavs are being compared, which that's a good thing, right? Sure. It's that they're fine. They're probably going to be fine. It's just that their ceiling seems so much lower yeah. than what you would hope for and partially expect with the talent available yeah well i kept you longer than i meant to but i have one more question that i want to ask that's kind of nba related so i'm looking at the standings right now and this is where my head is in terms of 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 broad tiers in the west i see at the moment utah golden state memphis then that's kind of one tier in my head then i see um the suns uh and the nuggets and then that's a tier. And then after that, it's kind of mixed bag. Do, do you have any like, like really firm? Cause I really love the Grizzlies. I just, I, I've loved the Grizzlies for years. They've built, they've, it's like you switch out Luca and John ja and with all due respect to how unbelievably dynamic Ja is, it's, it's like a, it's just a size thing, like size panders over time. But I just, I love the Grizzlies talent and, and depth of talent and, and kind of optionality that they can play with is, and I know you you do too. Obviously, you've been a Grizzlies Grizzlies guy for a long time. Is is there anybody else that that you see kind of like sneaking up or down? Like I'm I'm I've thought the Lakers are. I think the Lakers are in for a, a real rough road. I think the Clippers are too, and I think the Wolves in Portland are probably freaking out right now. Um, so here's what I'd say: uh, the Jazz, like I bet them to win 62 plus games. They're right. right <laughs> Um, they're right where they're right where I thought they 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 are the perfect regular season team. I think the mm-hmm. Warriors are the best team in the West. Right um, now, yeah, yeah, I can see that. They are like their defense is great. Like 
bear in mind that Steph's not even shooting all that great right now. Right. And like their, their upside is, is still high and they've been dominant. Um, I think the Nuggets at four and four, I think they're probably like a five and three team. They've had two coin flip games that haven't gone right. Right. Um, and that's like how it goes. Like, it's just not going to be your year every single year. I yeah. Think as it goes like along. MPJ has, as he, his range of outcomes is oh, wide, yeah. but I just, his talent, you just expect the talent to win out and him yeah. to figure it out over time. Um, I would say like jazz warriors nuggets are the teams that I feel most on solid ground about. I'll say this. Uh, here's a comparison point for you. Do you know what jaws net rating on court is? No, but I'm assuming it has to be approaching double digits. Uh, John Morant this season, despite being what I consider to be the, an early MVP candidate, mm. the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant on the floor have been outscored by eight points per hundred possessions. Really? They're minus. They're minus weird. Now, again, like this is anybody listening is like, well, it's early in the season. And like, again, their stats get nuked and you're absolutely right. Like that's how it goes. But um, a lot of it has honestly been the defense. Like they got, he was a minus 44.9 versus the uh, heat and a minus 39.1 versus the Blazers. In wow. that rating. Okay. So like that, when they lose, they get destroyed. That's a lot of mm. it. Um, he's been a positive in, in every other game, except the first game versus Cleveland, which was a win. And the Warriors game, uh, which was also a win. That was probably their best win. And he, they were outscored by 5.8 for hundred with him on the floor. So like, this is like a good sign. The other thing, Memphis has the 30th adjusted defensive rating in the league. And if you watch them, it makes sense. Like they look. <laughs> like um, All right. Yeah. So this is what I'm telling you is like, as much as I'm excited about the Grizzlies and love how they're playing and they're so much fun, like you should probably like, they're going to fall. Like they're going to okay. slide. And they're only five and three. Like they're going to slide because their defense. Now the defense will probably improve. I think that some of this has been, they face some really great teams, but They've had like a brutal early schedule and they still came out five and three, which is very exciting. They've had high profile wins early in the season when teams aren't quite a hundred percent. But remember, remember when the Southwest division was just a, like a dominant fight. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, and now it's just cupcakes every single night. It's like the, it's the Spurs that literally have opened their broadcast with hang in there with us Spurs fans. Like that's literally <laughs> what, what Bill said on the, on, on the opening is like, is like, but progress is being made. Hang in there with, with the Spurs fans. It's the Spurs on, you know, what Valley sports. Oh yeah. Um, the Kings actually, I think are sneaky pretty good right now. We'll see if they can hold it together with them. It's always a question of, do they spiral into Kingsness? Yeah. Um, the Clippers are wildly inconsistent. The one team I do think that is actually playing below their expectation is the Wolves. Sure. Um, their, their defense is really sound. They can't shoot at all. That's going to improve. Um, their offense will get better. Their defense will probably get worse. So they'll probably slide in the middle range. The Blazers are one that I think is like, I don't know what to make of them. Like one minute they look like the same old Blazers that can't stop anybody. The next minute it's like, oh, it was a really quality win by double digits over whoever. Um, they're really inconsistent. And I think them and the Mavericks are in the same kind of spot. The, the thing I think over the course of the long term is that the Dallas still has a very high, Luca just ensures a high floor. Um, this is kind of the thing I think that the Mavericks have done. They drafted a player that gives them an extremely high floor and extremely high ceiling. And then they built a roster around him that lowers the ceiling while not really changing the floor at all. That's 
the best way, I think, to end we should, coaching as part of that too. We should talk about this another time, but I want to end on this thought. Um, our mutual friend, Ryan Ryan uh, Morton, who who runs the, the Fear the Sword Twitter account, said that he thinks the Mavericks have done an unbelievable job of rebuilding the 2006 Cavaliers. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it hurt my feelings, and I've been thinking about it, and I figured you'd like that. Well, That's Matt... Uh... That's a that's an extremely on point comparison. That's well, but then, but then someone was like, "Well, but but Elgaskis played, you know, seventy two games that year, so I don't know. It's just it's like, oh, great, so it's worse than two thousand six Cavs. Anyway, Matt, you've given way too much of your time already for a Friday. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, just check out the Action Network app. If you're yeah, it's a really good app. You're I like the alerts are really sports. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. download the Action Network app. It's pretty great. All right, guys, Kirk Anderson, Matt Moore, and uh, I'll be coming to you tomorrow night after the Celtics game.